Welcome and great to have you join us as we go off script with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of Off Script with Sam Monk. Uh, we're talking about leadership lessons, what worked, what hasn't, and everything in between. And uh, we're joined again today by both Sam and Bruce. Bruce Monk is uh, Pastor Sam's father and uh, has an incredible leadership legacy. And if in our last episode, we talked about some of the journey in the early days from being uh, God arresting his heart as a young farmer and just feeling the call of God to step out from farming and into into ministry and just explore what God had laid on his heart. And so in this episode, uh, what we really want to talk about is just some of the leadership transitions that has gone on for those who aren't familiar with the ministry and life of Pastor Bruce. Uh, You can read a lot more about it in his book, Pave the Way. But what we're doing here is just looking at some key moments Pastor Bruce has led from the farm right through different uh, areas in New Zealand, through to Auckland, led a church in Auckland, led a local church and led a movement of churches and now uh, influences and helps other people lead movements of churches. And so in that has gone through a a number of different seasons and a number of different leadership transitions. But probably the one we want to start with uh, today, Pastor Bruce, is just that that transitioning from being a farmer uh, to, I guess, being a, uh, taking on your first church, that, that, that what, what were some of the things you had to prepare? How did that kind of come about and how did that all get started? Yeah, so they're always um, interesting um, dimensions in your life when you look back. You know, you're young, I think I was 27, so uh, Helen and I really sat down and said you need to be trained. Uh, biblically, so I went to Bible college for 12 months, and then out of that Bible college did an internship in Gisborne for one year. That was um, while you're still on the farm? On the farm, so we're living in our farm, we put on a manager, he did the work while I was doing the study, so but technically I was still running the farm. Uh, We, at that point, which you look back, so you've got to remember, uh, by the time my wife was 25, we'd had four children. Uh, so we had four preschoolers. The third one's the best. <laughs> uh, so we had four preschoolers. So she had, uh, I was going to Bible college, and this was a great learning platform for her because I'd, had to, I'd have to be away for two nights a week. So I was running a farm. I was away from home two nights a week. Helen was four children, also had a manager living in the home. And in the end, so just rather than go into a lot of it, but in the end, she said, I think I went to the best Bible college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what she learned that, that particular year was pretty powerful. And then in uh, the year after, so one year of Bible college, one year doing an internship in uh, uh, Gisborne and then uh, out of that I really felt to plant a church in Wanganui and so that's where we began ministry uh, after this internship year and so we went there as a family uh, still having the farm uh, but then that's when the Holy Spirit spoke and said I want you to sell the farm now and give half of it away and uh, so we were able to buy a house uh, and but we gave half of it away and that helped to establish also the church in Wanganui uh, by the block of land and what we did and so that uh, it was a, an important step. So Wanganui first church um, you didn't uh, there, there weren't the resources that we have today like podcasts uh, books, different things like that. Um, I know the movement. 
uh, was very much a go <laughs> and uh, hey, let us know if anything goes wrong. Uh, what are some key lessons from that first church that you led? So, so um, Sam was really right. You know, the movement in those days, you were sent out uh, and there was no real help. Uh, you either swam or you drowned. Um, uh, the only time they would get involved if something was really wrong and then they would come in with a heavy hand and um, that was not really a great leadership culture. What did I learn then? Again, I took this conceptual side. I read books. I think my library was just full of church growth books, books that would help me on management. I just read and I wasn't typically a great reader, but I just learned. I had to read. I had to skill myself. And uh, and and I think I look back now that uh, period in Wanganui was really important. Uh, if you listen to the first podcast, uh, I talked about the importance of tithing. Uh, that to me was just a grace. It was never a legalistic thing. Uh, I developed a leadership team, and I found out that some of them didn't tithe, and I couldn't really comprehend in my mind uh, why people had advanced in their Christian journey and hadn't really in a way apprehended or built into their heart or the discipline this whole principle of giving and so we had a massive struggle and all but one of that leadership team resigned on the basis of this becoming a big conflict and I learned through it uh, it was a, a an area where uh, two things I learned was um, is that you know you got to really make sure you understand the people you're building with before you put them in positions, <laughs> uh, because uh, I was naive. These were good people, but I didn't understand their culture, and so they wanted to try and implement their culture on us. Uh, and that's where I probably did have a strength. Uh, I just knew really in a way conceptually what we needed to build. Uh, the second thing I learned was I did get offended. <laughs> I got offended by their behaviour. I got offended by the way they talked about us. I got offended by their actions in church. I got offended by one young man, his son, who had been poisoned by his father, put his newspaper up one morning like this and, and while I was preaching uh, just to try and make a statement. He wouldn't get away with that now, but, you know, in your naivety, you, you, you put up with a lot of stuff. And I did get offended, and, and, and so out of that, God really helped me to handle an offence and process it, which was an important part of the development of, I think, any leadership gift, because offences will come, but if you don't know how to process those offences, and you can look at it, you can say, I've forgiven, and in your mind you have, but you know you're still hurt. And until you know how to deal with not just the ability to forgive, but the hurt that's in your heart, that you can then face that person and look at them in the eye, knowing that no longer does that hurt uh, have an impact on your life. Um, and I learned that. I, it took me six months to, to work it through. I started to pray for every single person that I felt I was hurt by every day. I blessed them. I didn't judge them. I removed my judgment from them. And right. then it was about six months later, I saw one of them walking down the street. And I remember for the first time, I didn't want to duck away from him. 
I went up to him. He didn't want to see me, <laughs> but I didn't mind seeing him because I knew now the hurt I'd forgiven, but now the offence was dealt with. And so though, that was a big learning curve in, in Wanganui. I learned a lot of areas that I look back now. Me personally, what God put into my life was uh, important lessons in ministry that would take me on into other areas. Yeah. So how important, you know, talking about the offence side of things, I think whether you're involved in leadership or not involved in leadership, um, you're subject to or you're going to get offended at some point. Um, But as a leader, um, being able to work through that process of finding God in the middle of that offence, you know, you know, how critical is that um, in what um, what took place after, (laughs) you know, Leadership, we're all, we're going to be offended. I've been tempted to be offended, have been offended, but know how to deal with it really quickly now. And so you're going to go through life, doesn't matter where you are. And we've got to develop that. And I think part of what God was going, preparing me for was the uh, coming to Auckland, which uh, eventuated, but also uh, the um, reformation of Acts Churches New Zealand, which uh, was a process that mm. we took over a number of years. But you've got to, in that process, uh, I look back to Wanganui and say that's when I learnt to handle people's bitterness, yeah. resentment, uh, their anger. Um, and so I developed this little statement. I don't know whether it's probably not uniquely mine, um, but anyhow, it held me in good stead. Bruce, maintain a soft heart, but a tough skin. Yeah. But the moment you get a hard heart, your skin will be soft. And so you're easily offended because your environment will determine how you respond. Yeah. Whereas You've got to learn in life and leadership to actually get a bit tough on the skin, but keep your heart soft before God. And I, important I like the reverse of that as yeah. well, because yeah. when your heart's hard, you're yeah. a little bit more temperamental. Oh, t- and um, judgmental. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And that, but one of the um, themes, and I know we had this in a home growing up, um, but and I suppose this came from what happened in Wanganui, is we don't sweep anything under the carpet. Uh, we walk in the light as Christ Jesus in the light. You want to unpack that because it, it's easy just to avoid issues. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes the challenge is actually confronting some of the stuff, but doing it with grace and doing it in a way that's going to bring life. Um, I, I think it's really important. And as Sam said, it's a culture. It was something that Hal and I put into our marriage from the beginning. And then when we came into the church in Wanganui, probably that's how I responded. It was a family thing. Um, and you find in Christian circles, people can't handle that openness. They get, it's almost like they push back. Um, but I think that if we're ever going to progress Uh, and have any significant impact. There's points where, and I'll use a softer way of saying it, uh, I could say we need to argue, but I would say a softer word is we need to grapple. And grapple is really, in a way, looking at things that your issues that uh, really need to be worked through uh, and we need to get understanding on 
And that sometimes means that there's going to be differences of opinion, but how do you handle that? To me, this word grapple is quite good because grapple is about issue, it's an issue base rather than me saying, I, I, I'm against Scott or I'm against Sam. That's a personality base. But just say we're right now wanting to organise something uh, which is really going to impact Auckland where we are now, we will have to grapple. And that will mean there'll be differences of opinion, but they are issues. That's not me standing against you or me standing against Sam. We're grappling. And that's what I really learnt is with the children, I wanted them to argue. Because how can they form conviction without an argument? Some parents would say, be quiet. I don't want to hear what you... Whereas I wasn't like that. I want to hear what people think. Um, and over the years, that can be challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Feedback is challenging <laughs> uh, because we don't often like it, and that's when your insecurity can also play up again, you know. So it's not as though we're always going to operate perfectly in that arena, but the premises 1 John 1 7 becomes yeah. the foundation of how we handle yeah. life, handle conflict. And we would just say, okay, let's let's have a talk. And I like that one, John 1, 7, because it talks about how we have fellowship with one another. So we go to a deeper level of relationship and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But I like that whole thought is, and you know, a big thing I've learned is when it comes to opposition or differences of opinion, the worst thing that you can do in any culture um, as a leader is push opposition underground. And so bringing things into the light is something that I learnt in the home, but um, it's a key aspect of you know how you've led, but also um, I think leadership right around. Yep, I think again, you know, you get significant statements that help you navigate process. And one significant statement came from a preacher called Campbell McAlpine, I think. Uh, I heard him preach. He was preaching here in Auckland and I listened to it and it was all about the offence and all that. And uh, he had a statement that I've held on to all my life. He just said, an offence is the seed of betrayal. And the moment an offence finds a place in a person's heart, it will not take long before the language of betrayal will start to become prevalent. And that statement in itself has anchored me. So if there's any seed in my heart where I'm offended, if I don't deal with that quickly, I will betray the people that I love. That's what happens in marriage. It's what happens in church. Uh, You can hear a person come up and say, oh, the Holy Spirit's leading me to go to another church. My normal reaction is, who's hurt you? (laughs) (laughs) Because most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time, there's a seed of an offence that causes them to betray the people that perhaps God's called them to walk with. And I guess just the last few moments in this podcast then is, to, is so you started in Whanganui, obviously you're not there now, so uh, there's been a journey, <laughs> yeah. the yeah, church yeah. is still there. Yeah, the church um, is still there. But the what, yeah, kind of, I guess so you've worked through that offence locally and then obviously God called you to move, move So initially else. we um, went from, from um, Whanganui to Lower Hutt, that was in um, uh, absolute obedience. I didn't want to go to Lower Hutt. 
my wife didn't want to go to Lower Hutt, but the movement wanted us to go to Lower Hutt. And uh, one day uh, we just were about to say no, and we sat down and said, well, I wonder whether we really should say yes, because oh. this was an obedience issue rather than, and it was about my heart, uh, because, you know, you naturally in life you're going to lead people. You're going to inspire people to do things that sometimes they might be reluctant to want to do. Um, and so I was reluctant, but I said yes. <laughs> and so we went to Lower Hutt. We were only there three months, and then they called me to Auckland. Wow. Um, and we, it took us, uh, so we were called in the March or April, I think. We didn't move to the end of the year, but we knew after three months, four months, we're going to Auckland. But that area of Lower Hutt was more about me. And God, in a way, I was very um, driven, and I just needed time to stand back and reflect. I could do it in a church environment, but it was like, God, use that church environment for me to have a work sabbatical, if I can put it another way. All our children, Sam uh, and his other siblings, all had significant experiences in Lower Hutt. They were all baptised in Lower Hutt. They all got baptised in the Holy Spirit in Lower Hutt. So I look back now, that environment was created by God for me. But I went there, Helen and I went there out of obedience, but it was a God-given space yeah. so that we were prepared to come into Auckland. Without it, I don't think we would have been prepared the same. Yeah. Well, and that's significant, especially a lot of young leaders out there. You know, you obviously you feel a call of God, you know what God's called you to do, but that ability to then, I guess, submit your vision to, to leaders that, you've chosen to come under and then actually be obedient to, to what they're asking of you. Um, I, I want to clarify before we close, they yeah, never yeah. forced us. Yeah. So it was, we had the opportunity to still say no, Yeah. but we said yes, even though in our mind and our heart, we questioned the validity of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because there was a lot of logistics even around that as well. But, um, yeah, you got four kids in four years, and I remember um, moving to a new school, and then uh, I think about four or five months in, uh, you sat us around the table, and uh, you said, uh, we're moving again, and that's when we just started to orientate ourselves around friendships and everything like that. But it was good in the journey of, of that. They um, actually brought us... Uh, uh, allowed us to be part of that journey so it wasn't uh, just I'm sure they had made the decision in the head but they they made us feel part of it at least um, of what was going on which you know a lot of people t uh, today say oh I can never do that I can never do that because of all the logistical family kids schools uh, just even packing up a house as a mission um, that sort of thing and I, I think you know just um the statement, perhaps to finish with, on the other side of our obedience is always God's blessing. Yeah. And people should never underestimate that. So as Sam said, the kids prospered, even though they uh, went from one school to another. I think Rebecca had three high schools. Um, and so that would people would say, 
could be damaging, but our children never, because we had a positive attitude, we helped them to have a positive attitude. They actually developed in their attitude of life and were able to connect with people really quickly, whereas they, so that there wasn't this reluctance. And I think, so God, you, if you keep your attitude right, your kids will have good attitude. But if you've got a bad attitude, you can sow that bad attitude into the family and before long there's negativity come around that. And th- thanks so much for your time once again, Pastor Bruce. And I mean, from Lower Heart, you arrived here in Auckland. And for those who are familiar with the Cooper's journey, I guess that was quite key. And now from there went to London. And there's a lot more to unpack. And we're going to talk about that a bit more in the next podcast, just around some of the other lessons and things uh, both uh, Bruce and Sam have learned on that journey. But So join us again uh, next time. Yeah, make sure you like and subscribe. Also, uh, get your hands on the book. book. (laughs) Get your hands on the book. You'll be blessed to buy it. But we'll see you uh, next time on Offscript with Sam Monk. Thanks for listening to Offscript with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Monk.